Hey, we're going to be today in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 16, if you want to go ahead and be turning there, talking today about humility, one of our favorite subjects, I'm sure, right? Life just has a way kind of of humbling us, though, I think. As we look at history, it's full of examples of people who appeared to be on top of the world, uh, people who felt like they had it all together and felt maybe even like they were invincible suddenly realizing that things weren't quite as they seemed. Pride is a dangerous thing. We've seen that in everything from military defeats, fallen empires, and public scandals to broken families, damaged relationships, and personal self-destruction. We see it depicted in many of the great films of our day as well. Pride is a dangerous Thing, right? As we think about the great films of our day, I'll give an example. Just think about The Lion King. All right. Y'all don't think The Lion King's a great film, maybe, but I do. But in that film, annoyed by Zazu's oversight and advice, young Simba as a cub launches into a song early on in the movie where he sings, and I'll try not to start singing, I'm going to be a mighty king. I'm going to be the main event like no king was before. I'm brushing up, I'm looking down, I'm working on my war. Throughout the song, you hear Zazu trying to interject, pointing Simba toward humility, but Simba can only see one thing, that he would be king, that he would then do exactly what he wanted to do. No one's saying do this, no one's saying be there, no one's saying stop that, no one's saying see here, free to run around all day, free to do it all my way. That's the dream of pride. Simba loves the idea of doing it all his way, so that's what he does. But in the movie, the scene right after that shows that pride often leads into danger because Simba and Nala go to the elephant graveyard against the good advice they were given, and there they found themselves surrounded by a dangerous pack of hyenas. Not exactly what Simba had in mind when he said, I'm free to do it all my way. Pride is a dangerous thing, and life has a way of humbling us. To be fair, that's probably too general to say life has a way of humbling us because as we walk through and live in the unbroken story of how God is at work in the world he created, we can say more precisely this morning that God works through humility in our lives. But we can also say as we look at the scriptures from Genesis 3 on that the sin of pride has been and is a real and dangerous part of our world. The lie of the serpent was what? That you will be like God and We've all been believing that lie ever since Adam and Eve first did. Pride has many expressions and takes many forms, but pride is the condition of the heart that seeks the position of God and seeks to be independent from Him, right? that I can do my own thing, my own way, and my own strength. And pride begins in the heart. It may or may not be visible to others at first. There's a way to outwardly appear to be humble, but inwardly to be full of pride, at least for a while. But ultimately what we know is this, that God works through humility. And so the question for us this morning that we want to answer is this, will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humbled? Will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humbled? The book of Judges and more specifically, the life of Samson are instructive as we answer that question. And so this morning, I want to read a rather lengthy passage this morning, Judges chapter 16, but it gives us 
a lot of insight into answering that question. So let's read together the story of how God was at work in the life of Samson. Judges chapter 16, beginning verse 1. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight. And at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up bar and all and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we, we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush and in her chamber, and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, behold, you've mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, until now, you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pen, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them tight with the pen and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pen the loom and the web. And he said to him, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up again, for she has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in, and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles 
and he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women and the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Ashtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Heavenly Father, today we ask that as we look to your word, that you would give us the faith to humble ourselves before you, Lord, to trust and your plan, and your purpose, and your direction for our lives, and Lord, to walk in that way. We pray that you would speak to us this morning by the power of your Spirit, through your Word, through what we've read today, Lord. I pray today that you would, or that you would give me grace to, as I explain your Word, Lord, and preach your Word, Lord, that, that you would move in me, Lord, that I know that nothing I have to say, Lord, is going gonna, is gonna to change anyone's heart, Lord, or make a difference in eternity, Lord, but through your power and your grace and your spirit, Lord, may the life of Samson today, Lord, be a story, not just that is one that entertains us, but one that draws us to you, Lord, to humble ourselves before you and to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humble? That's our question this morning. It's one Samson answered in his life. Each of us has to answer it in our lives, one that everybody in this world has to answer. And so this morning, how does the life of Samson help us as we answer that question? What can we learn from the unbroken plan and unchanging character of God that informs our decision? This morning, three truths about pride that lead us to one truth about humility as we look at the life of Samson. First, pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. Pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. As we began reading in chapter 16, Samson went to Gaza and saw a prostitute and he went into her because when Samson saw something he wanted, he went after it. He went and got it. Pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. Samson was behaving impulsively not just here in chapter 16, but really at every moment of his life, every point in his story. It's told the Gazites saw an opportunity to ambush him at the gates of the city, but Samson picks up the gates of the, and the posts and carries them 
this distance, what scholars believe would have been a distance of about 40 miles. That points to Samson's strength, but it also points to his impulsiveness. Pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. And pride was the story of Samson's life. We first meet Samson back in Judges chapter 13, when the people of Israel have again done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. That was the cycle during the book of Judges, during the period of the Judges. And it's the danger of pride, pursuing what looks right in my eyes instead of what God says is right. And it was in response to the sin of the people that God said to Samson's mother in Judges 13, 5, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. It isn't every day that an angel shows up to announce the birth of a child. I mean, we see it in Scripture, but it always is pointing to a special calling and a unique purpose in the life of the one that God is announcing, just as it does here with Samson. He was called to be set apart and consecrated for the Lord's service as a Nazarite. And the Nazarite vow meant three very practical things in the life of those who took that vow. It meant no wine, no haircuts, and no contact with anything that was dead. Those were the practical or outward signs of the vow that someone had made to God. And God's purpose for Samson's life was clear from the very beginning, even from before he was born, that his people who had been given into the hands of the Philistines would interestingly enough begin, God says, begin to be saved through Samson. And so that was God's vision for Samson's life. But what about Samson's vision? Right? He had his own plan for his life. He grew up, he was blessed by the Lord, but as Judges chapter 14 opens, we see he's ready to marry. The only problem was that he wanted to marry a Philistine woman. Samson's father here is concerned not because of prejudice or bigotry or any of those things, but because of God's plan and God's purpose. He didn't want his people marrying people who worshiped other gods because he knew that they would be tempted and drawn away to worship those other gods. But Judges 14.3 really tells us everything about Samson's life as Samson replies to his father at that point, get her for me for she is right in my eyes. Pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. Samson got what he wanted, but Judges 14.4 gives us an indication that God's purpose would not be overturned in his life, that God would still deliver his people one way or another. And so we see then that Samson goes to Timnah, killing a lion with his bare hands on the way. And again, we're told that the woman at Timnah was right in Samson's eyes. We're told that sometime later when Samson returned by that same way where he had killed the lion, that bees had taken up residence in the carcass of this lion and he was enticed by the honey, which he scraped out and ate in violation of the vow that he had taken to have no contact with anything that was dead. But he saw it and he wanted it and pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. Judges 14 and 15 is filled with this pattern where the Spirit of the Lord would rush upon Samson and he would win a great victory for God's people. But even as he was used by the Spirit of God to accomplish his purposes, Samson was consumed with pride, consumed by his own desires, even as acknowledgement of God's provision takes an arrogant and accusing tone with the Lord. Samson's life was certainly not unique in his time or ours for that matter. As the book of Judges concludes, the author tells us that there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Exactly what we see Samson doing. 
Pride pursues my pleasure over God's purpose. But Proverbs 26, 12 tells us, asks us, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. It's not even that the proud are fools, though we can find verses that point us to that as well, but that there's not as much hope for the proud as there is for a fool. God had a specific plan and purpose for Samson's life, just as he does for each of us. But we also know this to be true, that we often find ourselves, if we're honest, wanting things that are not a part of God's good design for our lives. And so the question remains for us this morning, will we humble ourselves before the Lord or be humbled? Second thing we learn about pride from Samson's life is that pride elevates my place over God's power. Pride elevates my place over God's power. Samson was well known for his incredible strength. Already we've seen some of those feats of strength. Here's a man who carried the city the gates of a city 40 miles. Before that, he broke through the ropes on his arms and defeated a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Before that, the author of Judges makes it clear though that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. It's made clear that the victory that Samson was winning over the Philistines was not in his own strength alone, but in the power of God working through him. And at times, Samson even acknowledges this. In Judges 15, 18, he says, you have, he says to the Lord, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. Samson confessed that the victory God had won was because of the Lord's victory and work in his life. He said it before and after the victory, but Samson then lived as if he'd won it by his own power and not the Lord. Samson lived as if he was the one who was invincible as if he was the one who deserved all the glory and honor and fame. And that's what pride does. It elevates my place and position over God's power. And when I do that, I want everyone to see and to recognize how great I am, to see my wisdom and intelligence and prove that as we see Samson doing with riddles that no one can solve. That's when pride does what pride does because pride doesn't look to the good of others. It doesn't look to say, you know, what's going to be best for others. It's about me proving that I am superior. Judges chapter 14, Samson, we're told, was eager to prove his superiority over the Philistines. He was eager to shame his companions, and he wanted to do that in a way that pointed to, well, I say pointed to his position and his place over them. Samson was concerned about his place, his appearance as someone to be respected and feared much more than he was about God's place as ruler over his life and as the power behind his victory. So by the time we come to the story of Samson and Delilah in Judges 16, Samson believes himself to be smarter and stronger and better than everyone else, maybe even more so than the Lord. And Samson elevated his place over God's power so that when the Philistines conspired in Judges 16 to humble him, as we're told, by having Delilah try to trick him, Samson hardly even resists. After all, he was Samson. What could Delilah do to him? What could the Philistines do to him? Samson knew that the strength that was in him was God's power and not his own, but he didn't live that way because pride elevates my place over God's power. That's why whenever Delilah kept asking Samson where his strength lies, Samson just treats it like he's playing a game. Fresh bowstrings will make me weak. New ropes will make me weak. And then 
Samson gets closer to the truth, right? Weaving my hair and fastening will make me weak. Three times Delilah tried to entrap Samson, but he just keeps on playing the same game until finally he tells her that a razor had never come upon his head and that shaving his head will make him weak. In his pride, Samson believed that it was his strength and his power that made the difference. Or at least that's the way he lived. And so when Delilah finally said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, we read that he said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. Right? Notice what he said there, I will go. I will shake myself free. Even as Samson had just pointed to the fact that his hair was a sign of his vow and commitment to the Lord, here he is now speaking as if his strength was all his. Pride does that. It elevates my place over God's power. Maybe it seems like this morning we're kind of being a little hard on Samson and piling on him. So I think it'd be good maybe to stop and ask, are we ever like Samson? Samson's hair was an outward sign of his commitment to the Lord. That's what the Nazarite vow was about. But the truth is that Samson's life had long been one of prideful rebellion against God. So that when Delilah shaved his head, what was true in Samson's heart was then made visible. Before this, because of his hair, Samson looked like someone committed to the Lord. But he was seeking to exalt himself and not the Lord. I wonder if we do the same thing ever in our lives. Do we do things that make us look Christian? The right bumper sticker, the right Facebook posts or shares, the right events, but solely with the intention of making ourselves look good instead of giving God the glory that he deserves? And when we do that, are we depending on our righteousness? Or are we depending on the Lord's righteousness? Will we humble ourselves before the Lord or be humbled? That is our question this morning. Third, we see in Samson's life, pride separates me from God. Pride separates me from God. When Samson woke up and said, I'll go out and shake myself free, there was one very haunting problem with that. We're told he did not know that the Lord had left him. And as a result, nothing was as it was at other times in his life when the Spirit of the Lord would rush upon him. Instead, the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and shackled him. Then they put him at work at the mill in the prison. Samson's pride pursued his pleasure over God's purpose for his life. He did what was right in his own eyes. Samson's pride elevated his place over God's power. He wanted the spotlight to be on his strength and his greatness. And here is where that led, not to any of those things that Samson was after. Instead, the final result of Samson's life is that pride separated him from the Lord. That's what pride does. It separates, imprisons, and destroys our lives. Pride separates me from God. And maybe the most tragic thing about Samson's story is this, that he didn't even know it was happening, right? He didn't recognize what his pride was doing to him. He didn't recognize the damage that he was causing. He didn't know the wedge that was being driven between himself and the Lord who created him and called him and empowered him with a purpose and a plan. Samson in his life are certainly a warning to us. As I read that Samson did not know that the Lord had left him, I can't help but ask this morning, right, would I know? that the Lord had left me. Would we? No, because 
This is how far down the dangerous path of pride Samson was. His pride separated him from God and he got to the point where he didn't even know it. How long would it take for us to notice that the Lord's strength and power had left us? What are we doing that truly depends upon the Lord's strength and his power that we can't do in our own strength? Pride separates me from God. And when I'm separated from God, right, what do I have? What do I have left at that point? God created me. He gave me life. He sustains me. He pursued me. He called me. He sent me. He strengthens me. He equips me. When the Spirit of the Lord was upon Samson, we saw the amazing things that he did, but separated from God, he was imprisoned, separated from God, this man of great strength who did what was right in his own eyes, lost both his sight and his strength. Separated from God, Samson didn't find freedom to do what he wanted. He found shackles and chains and hard labor. That is what pride does. It promises pleasure and preference and privilege and power and possessions and all those things. But apart from God, we find ourselves imprisoned, if not literally, as with Samson, then certainly spiritually trapped in a cycle of sinful rebellion that ultimately leads to our destruction. So the question remains, will we humble ourselves before the Lord or be humbled? Those are the warnings about pride this morning, and there could be more from the life of Samson, and if we were to share this morning from our own lives, that we could share about the dangers of pride. But a fourth truth from the failure of Samson this morning that we see and from the unbroken work of God, and that is this, that God desires for me to humble myself. God desires for me to humble myself. One of the realities that we've seen in the scriptures over these past couple months really is that God is relentless and unfailing in accomplishing his purposes. When it looks like everything is lost and everything is broken, even when it is, God is not defeated. He will accomplish his purpose just as he did in the life of Samson. Samson didn't humble himself, but he was humbled. We see that in his life. And God worked through Samson's humility. The Philistines had the goal of humbling Samson, which God used them to do, but not because God was admitting defeat in Samson's life and certainly not because the Philistines were a righteous people. Judges 16.22 records the detail that having been separated from God and imprisoned by the Philistines, Samson's hair began to grow once again. The narrator is telling us there that God was not finished with Samson. That in its humbled state, God would strengthen and renew Samson. So Samson's humbled, but here the Philistines are gushing over the victory that their God had won for them. They're celebrating a victory over Samson and also a victory against the Lord. And so everything we've said about the pride of Samson is true now also of the Philistines. And so they decide they're just going to bring Samson out even at this point as entertainment just to mock him. They lead him out by the hand and Samson asks at that point to fill the pillars of the house where 3,000 Philistines were looking on. Here's this man who had stumped everyone with his riddles, who had inventively taken on the Philistines, and now he needs help just to know where the pillars of the house were. But that's when we see something rare in Samson's 
story and in his life, he called out to the Lord for strength. Even then, so that he could avenge his own two eyes, even then, Samson knew he needed the Lord's strength, but he still wanted it for his own purposes. But in his humble state, at his lowest moment, we're told that God accomplished his purpose for Samson's life. Because when the house came down and Samson was dead, we're told that the dead whom he killed at his, life, at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Samson's story in this entire period of Israel's history is tragic. It's a tragic story of pride and the havoc it wreaks in our lives. But Samson's story didn't have to be a tragedy, and neither do ours. And that's why we're asking the question this morning. Will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humbled? Samson was an Israelite. Samson was a Nazarite. He looked like someone who would have followed the Lord, but he didn't. And as a result, his life illustrates the unbroken reality that God works through humility. That was true in the day of the judges and in Samson's day. We're also told, though, in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, to clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. The question for us is whether we will humble ourselves before the Lord or be humbled. Humbling ourselves means submitting to God's purpose and plan for our lives. Humbling ourselves means relying on God's power and strength and acknowledging that we are dependent on him for everything. Humbling ourselves means drawing near to God instead of being separated from God because he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We're told that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, then he will exalt us at the proper time. We saw how Samson was humbled, but Peter says there's another way for us to live. And Paul tells us as well to follow Jesus' example and to humble ourselves. In Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, it says, "'Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him.'" And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus shows us what God desires, that we would humble ourselves. Jesus shows us how God works through humility. And one day, Every knee will bow in agreement that Jesus is Lord. Every knee. So we will bow then. God's plan will be unbroken. The question is, will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humbled? I've probably asked that question enough this morning, and so it's time now for each of us to answer it. What do I want more? Do I want my pleasure or God's purpose and God's plan? The lie of pride is that those two things are opposed to each other. 
or they're at odds. But the truth is that God gives grace to the humble. And so to walk in his plan and in his purposes is the most satisfying place we can be. Do I want my place and my position and standing, or do I want God's power and glory to be front and center? He alone is worthy of all glory and honor and power, and he is the one who lifts up those who humble themselves. Do I want to be separated from God and his protection, or do I want to walk in step with the God who made me? Each of us has to answer this morning for ourselves, and each of us needs to understand that it's only through Jesus, it's only through him that we will choose humility. Jesus humbled himself to pay the penalty for our sins. So that if we humble ourselves to receive his grace, then we can walk in humility. We can walk in lives and in the reality that God is over and above all things. And in a world where everyone is after their own way and their own pleasure and their own priority over everyone else around them, where pride is the default setting, if we will humble ourselves before the Lord, then we can be a light in a dark world, a people who look to the needs of the person next to us before we look to our own. That's what Jesus has done for us. And so that's what he called us to do, look not only to our own interests, but first to the interests of others. That's the power of Jesus. It's the way of humility. Will you humble yourself before the Lord or be humbled?